AOC has suffered maybe the worst sort of attack imaginable. You could never imagine this, this kind of thing happening to a member of Congress. She deserves our support. She deserves our sympathy. A fellow politician allegedly called AOC a mean name. She'll explain it to you in her histrionic House floor address. I was walking up the steps of the Capitol when Representative Yoho um, suddenly turned a corner um, and he was accompanied by Representative Roger Williams and accosted me on the steps right here in front of our nation's capital. I was minding my own business, walking up um, the steps, and Representative Yoho put his finger in my face. He called me disgusting. He called me crazy. He called me out of my mind. Um, and he called me dangerous. I took a few steps ahead and I walked inside and cast my vote. I walked back out and there were reporters in the front of the Capitol. And in front of reporters, Representative Yoho called me, and I quote, a fing bitch. The horror, the horror. A politician called another politician an insulting name. Never happened before. And AOC, who regularly compares Donald Trump to Hitler, is very, very upset about that. What is most nauseating here is not even the histrionics. It is the self-obsession. And you see this kind of self-obsession from a lot of fake martyrs, a lot of make-believe martyrs who tend to inflict a lot more harm on other people, but a lot more other people in a bad situation than they find themselves. We'll get into all of it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. terrible. I hope she's okay. I hope she's surviving this. You know, the strong woman who's taking over Washington. I hope she's surviving being called a mean name. Allegedly, allegedly. The guy who she accuses of doing this, by the way, completely denies it. We will get into that first, though. I've got to thank our friends over at Paint Your Life. You know, I love artwork. I've tried my own hand at uh, painting. Turns out it's much harder than, than you might think. Uh, Paint Your Life, though, has some of the best artists going. And if you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try it out. PaintYourLife.com. You get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You choose, choose rather from a team of world-class artists. You work with them until every detail is perfect. It is a quick and easy process. It's fabulous. I absolutely love these guys. I've, I've used them before. Their work is top-notch. It's unbelievable. You get a photo of a friend, of a relative, of a special place, of a pet, whatever. Or you can combine photos. It's meaningful, it's personal, it can be cherished forever, and it just looks really good. It's important for people to have good art on their walls. At paintyourlife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. Right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. 20% off and free shipping. Text the word MICHAEL, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, to 64,000. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L to 64,000. Paint your life, celebrate the moments that matter most. AOC is outraged. Rightly so. Someone called her a mean name. Now, uh, we've gone through on this show before some of the mean names that politicians have called other politicians throughout history. John Adams famously said of Alexander Hamilton that there were not enough whores in Philadelphia to contain his secretions. That, and by the way, those two guys were in the same political party, right? So politics has always been nasty. AOC says, says she's a big, strong woman. She's very tough. She can handle this. She can go toe-to-toe with any man. And then she gives this whiny uh, floor address at the House of Representatives that sets women back at least, what, 300 years? I don't know. <laughs> so the issue, I don't think she's really offended. I think she's putting on a histrionic show. And what it comes down to is a matter of pride, self-obsession. What she's so shocked by is that someone would speak that way to a member of Congress. These are the words that Representative Yoho levied against a congresswoman. The congresswoman that not only represents New York's 14th congressional district, but every congresswoman and every woman in this country. Because all of us have had to deal with this in some form, some way, some shape, at some point in our lives. So you see, AOC is really a stand-in for every other woman in Congress. It's not about AOC, whether or not this 
fellow congressman actually said this about her. It's not about AOC. It's about every single woman because AOC is the embodiment of every woman. And he said it to a congresswoman. Oh my gosh. Look, I like some congressmen. Some congressmen are friends of mine. I sound like I'm, this is like, you know, look, some of my best friends are black. Look, some of my best friends are congresswomen. Okay. But this, we're not talking about like the emperor of the West. We're not talking about some high ranking prelate or something. You're a congressman. Okay. Congress doesn't have a great reputation among politicians. Even they're considered a little bit on the less popular, less favorable end of things. Get over yourself. There's over 400 of you, for goodness sakes. Just get over yourself. Get over it. There's so many people who go to Washington to be a congressman. They don't want to do anything. They just want to be a congressman. And maybe that's what we can hope for from AOC. If she actually accomplishes the things she she says that she wants to accomplish, that would be very, very bad for the country. She extrapolates from herself to all women, and then she goes from all women to describing this pervasive, toxic culture. And that's when we start to see that this issue is not about one incident. It is cultural. It is a culture of lack of impunity, of accepting of violence and violent language against women, and an entire structure of power that supports that. So this congressman who called a fellow congressman a mean word, apparently, is now basically doing the same thing as if he beat his wife. She's saying he's inflicting violence on women. She, it's a little confusing because she doesn't know how to use the words that were written for her. So she says this culture of the lack of impunity. And because she, she doesn't know what the word impunity means and probably shouldn't have said lack of before that. But she's creating this histrionic performance that she is the martyr. A guy says a mean word to her on Capitol Hill. And therefore, it's basically like she's a a beaten, a battered housewife. Crazy, right? Nobody, nobody would believe that sort of thing. I think it's very bad to say mean things to women. The congressman she's accusing of doing this, by the way, says he never said it. So I don't know. I have no reason to believe AOC. She's lied about everything else in her life. So she's probably lying about this. But you know, if she did, we don't, we don't like hearing those kind of mean words about women. But what AOC is saying here is I'm a big, strong, tough politician. Well, then you got to act like one. <laughs> but they don't want to do that. They want to play fake martyrs, not just members of Congress. Even, I mean, members of Congress are probably the least sympathetic figures in all of American life. But just below that, you have teacher union public teachers. Teacher union public teachers. Look, there are some wonderful teachers. Some of the greatest influences in my whole life have been teachers. But I think we all know the difference between that good teacher who cares about the students and the teacher's union teacher, who gets all these great benefits, who gets protected by the government, who's probably not that great a teacher, and who wants privileges that nobody else in society gets. Well, that's what we're seeing with this, this COVID reopening or, or online learning or who knows how the schools are going to react. There's a teacher. I don't know if you know some teachers in your life. I've seen it just on Facebook and Twitter. Teachers saying, I'm not, I don't want to be a sacrificial lamb. I don't want it. I don't want, I'm, I don't want to go into the COVID where I only have a 99.7% chance of survival, at least probably much higher than that. Even though very few studies there, first of all, there are no studies that say that the kids are going to spread this to the teachers and it's going to be some awful, terrible thing where all the teachers die. But there's a teacher who spoke to Good Morning America. She said, quote, I'm so sick of being expected to be some sort of martyr because I decided to be a teacher. And if you give me that, you knew what you were getting into when you decided to be a teacher. Crap. I've got a whole host of things to say to you, none of which you're going to like. Now, I'm just expected to risk my life getting COVID because of the government's failure to act on this pandemic. I don't think so. This isn't my fault. It's not the teacher's fault. This was a young woman, by the way, who statistically has a 0% chance of dying of the coronavirus. She is pretending to be the martyr here, right? Meanwhile, she's inflicting, she's pretending to be receiving harm by this coronavirus, even though no evidence of that. And she is inflicting real harm on America's students because America's students are just expected not to have an education or to stay at home where actually the spread of coronavirus might be worse based on some studies. But speaking of studies, the CDC, pretty clear here, says, quote, the best available evidence from countries that have opened schools indicates that COVID-19 poses low risks to school-aged children, at least in areas with low community transmission, and suggests the children are unlikely to be major drivers of the spread of the virus. 
We've seen studies out of Finland and Sweden, Sweden, which famously didn't even shut down, of the school-aged children based on contact tracing. They're not spreading it to each other. They're not spreading it to teachers, and then they're not spreading it to their families when they get home. Why is that? I don't know. But as long as we're supposedly deferring to the science everywhere, then I think we need to at least accept that the CDC is the public health body in the United States, and we've got to accept the few studies that we do have. If, if we're going to play by the left's rules of you've got to listen to the science, or we play by the right's rules and actually have an authentic politics of debate and weighing priorities and having ethical discussion. Either way, though, reopen the schools. There's no question that that's what we ought to do. But the, some, some teachers don't want to do that. They, they just want to pretend to be the victims. The victims are inflicting harm. The fake martyrs are infi- inflicting harm. In some cases, this is literal or, or I guess, tangible very visible in videos that go all around the internet. There was a woman that went viral because she was, she became so hysterical at the thought of a couple having a picnic outdoors that she decided to physically attack them and pretend that she was playing defense. We'll get to that in a second. First though, got to thank our friends over at Keeps. You know, I love my hair. I derive approximately 83% of all of my power from my hair. But did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online, get your hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy. They deliver your medication every three months so that you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. The key here is prevention. It's pretty easy to keep your hair if you still got it. So you got to start soon and keep treatments can take up to four to six months or more to see results. So you got to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you will save. They've got more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. You can get started just 10 bucks a month for a limited time each first month free. Uh, Really, really important to do that now, especially these days. If you are ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Get your first month of treatment for free, K-E-E-P-S.com slash Knowles. So this lady, this was on Thursday. Uh, A lady sees a young couple in a picnic having a picnic in a park in San Diego. So they're, they're having a picnic, but they don't have masks on. Why don't they have masks on? Well, for one, they're eating and you can't eat through a mask. For another reason, they're far away from other people. They're outdoors. The sun is shining. This woman, she doesn't care. She don't want to hear it. This woman walks up to them and sprays them with mace. Take a listen. You can see this is just after she sprayed them with mace. The guy's trying to get her away now. What are you doing? You cannot be serious. You just, you just maced him. You just maced him. You just maced him. You just maced him and their food because you disagree. Don't worry, I'm videotaping. Don't worry. I'm not going to. That's not okay. This is not for. That is not okay. Not okay. people like that. What's wrong, wrong with you, lady? That is wrong. I think this is what we're seeing in our culture a lot today. You're seeing the encounter of delusion with reality. And people are, because they're confusing on the left, the delusion for the reality, they're reacting in, in real ways. And the rest of us are left shocked. That sounds a little abstract. I'll, I'll make it a little more concrete. This, nothing is going to happen to the crazy lady because a couple is having a picnic because of coronavirus. It's not, the coronavirus is not going to leap from their food, fly across the park and jump on this lady and attack her. Even if it did, she has a 99.7% chance of survival, at least, at least. And she's wearing her mask, the allegedly magical mask that keeps the coronavirus away. She should have a 0% chance of getting this. But because of the frenzy that people have been whipped up into by the mainstream media, by the left, by the scientific establishment, by the politicians, because it's an election year, because of this frenzy that people are living, because of BLM, because of all the nuttiness that's going on, this woman honestly believed that the only thing that that was 
an appropriate response for this was to approach the people further exposing her to the allegedly super duper scary virus and spray them in the eyes with mace. That's just a little bit of violence. That's just a tiny bit of violence. BLM around the country is showing you much more significant violence. And it's very sad. It's very sad even when the rioters get killed. You you think people are happy because rioters are getting killed? I don't think so. Nobody wants to see any Americans getting gunned down in the streets, right? That's a bad situation. And it's a bad situation that is caused by BLM and by the civil authorities permitting anarchists to riot and take over our streets. It's this encounter between delusion and reality. The delusion, the lie that's being told, that there are, there's an epidemic of racist cops slaughtering unarmed innocent black men around the country. Not true. Complete lie. Not, a, not one iota of that is true. And then you've got the people reacting to that, reacting to that delusion by coming out, taking to the streets, sometimes in pretty aggressive ways. A BLM rioter was killed over the weekend. How and why was he killed? Well, he showed up to one of these riots. They're still happening around the country where people are shutting down major intersections, mobbing up on cars, right? Coming up and attacking people. And he shows up to one of these with an AK-47. Not even an AR-15. Some people don't know the difference between these things. The AR-15 is based off of Western rifles. And the AK-47 is based off of like Soviet rifles that you see more in the Middle East and in, in Russia. He's got, that's the one with that kind of bendy magazine in it. So the, he shows up with this AK-47. Then a group of people, including him, mob a car and start attacking the car. And then some bullets ring out and it is being disputed who fired first and what exactly happened. Take a listen. So you see people just totally taking over the street, walking everywhere. Can't really see quite where those bullets are coming from. Cameraman drops to the floor. Let's back up. You see some more. There's more exchange of fire. Where are we? Where are we? Is the, are we in Fallujah? Are we living in the Middle East or something? Why is this happening on our streets? Why, even before the bullets rang out, why are hordes of people allowed to shut down whole streets and intersections in the first place? Why is that being permitted? And what, what exactly happened here? Well, we can at least see from photographs that there's a mob of people that starts mobbing up on a car, starts banging on the car, starts attacking the car. And this guy, Garrett Foster, has the AK-47 And he's got it pointed at the car. Now it's being disputed. Was he pointing it at the driver in the car or just at the car? I think that's a little besides the point here. Then the driver in the car, I guess, had a gun on him as well. And the question is who fired first and who returned fire? The family of Garrett Foster are saying that he did not fire first at all. He he, he did not discharge his weapon. Uh, There was a police press conference last night that said that the, according to the driver, the gunman, Garrett Foster, pointed the gun at him in his car, and so he discharged his gun, pulled away, and then another protester fired. Who really knows? Here's what I know. If a driver is in a car, and he's got a gun, because it's Texas, and, you know, if this, by the way, were earlier America, people would be armed much more regular than than they are today. The left now wants to disarm everybody, particularly the guns that Garrett Foster was using. But because the narrative is flipped now, because it's politically convenient for them to support this guy with the gun, all of a sudden they've dropped all of their gun control arguments. We know that there was a guy in a car with a gun. We know that there was a mob of anarchists that have been taking over our streets for the last many weeks. We know that one of these rioters had an AK-47 and it was not just strapped behind him or something like that. We've seen him holding the gun and it was pointed somewhere in the vicinity of this driver at the car, maybe not quite at the driver, but somewhere there. If you are in that situation and you've got a mob attacking your car and one of those guys has an AK-47 and that AK-47 is pointed at your car, you are one 
thousand percent within your rights to defend yourself, to defend your property for one, but also to defend yourself. Because guess what's going to happen if they get you out of that car? Nothing good. Nothing good is going to happen. Driver, from every piece of evidence that we have right now, completely justified. In fact, we even have the, the media gaslighting on this is so outrageous that they're trying to cover up these videos. We have video of the guy, of the, the demonstrator who was killed, discussing why he brought the AK-47 in graphic language. Uh, uh, AK-47. Uh, why you got it out tonight? They don't let us march in the streets anymore, so gotta practice some some of our rights. Nah, I think the uh, I mean if I use it against the cops, I'm dead. And I think all the people that hate us and you know want to say to us are too big of a to stop and actually do anything about it. So. Why'd you start carrying? Well, our roommate got arrested and they stopped letting us march anywhere, so started carrying. So he's got the gun strapped across his front, not across his back, he's got it strapped across his front, and he says, yeah, I've got this out here because I think the people that want to stop us from taking over the streets and bullying and intimidating them and, and disobeying the law, I think the people who want to stop us, they're too big wusses, I'll say wusses, he used a more colorful word, wusses to actually do anything about it. So this is aggressive language. This is threatening language. And of course, he's got a mask over his face, ostensibly for COVID, although, you know, all, all of the Antifa guys have had masks over their face forever. And he's got the AK in front of him. It's not a good situation to be in. And by the way, the people who are encouraging these riots are in part culpable for this guy's death. He, look, he's, he, don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, boy. Don't take your guns to town is uh, some age old advice in American life. But if you're going to go there and you're going to have it out and you're going to be in a provocative situation and you're going to be with, with a group that's attacking a car and you're going to maybe have it pointed at the car and then you're putting yourself in an impossible situation. That's not the, the narrative that the media are going to push to you. They're going to throw out everything they've ever believed about guns and police or, and, and protesting rather. But ima- just imagine for a second, I guess this is, this is how you can tell what the real story is. Imagine that that guy, Garrett Foster, were a member of the Tea Party. It's impossible to because the Tea Party was the best behaved political movement probably in the history of our country. But imagine that guy were in the Tea Party and you had a Tea Party guy show up with an AR-15 and he's out there and they're mobbing cars. And let's say it were cars of Democrats, you know, or people of color or women, I don't know, whatever, whatever, you know, identity group the, the left is going to use. And then that person defended themselves. Do you really think the media would be, would be upset about that? No, they would be, they would be celebrating that someone defended themselves against these presumably racist, terrible, no good, awful. They're like Nazis in the streets, these protesters. That's what you would hear if it were the Tea Party. But because it's the left, they throw everything, everything out of the window. In fact, they call it, I kid you not, I've got ABC News right here. They call it mostly peaceful, which we'll get to in one second. But first, I've got to thank our friends over at Rock Auto. You know, it can be very frustrating when you've got to fix something on your car and you can't get the right part. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So me, I don't know anything about cars. Some of my friends do work on cars, which like that's nice. That's a real, real benefit. But I myself, I don't know anything. So if I go into the the brick and mortar car, car parts store, I'm going to get ripped off. They're going to, first of all, they're not going to have the part. Then they're going to go online. Then they're going to probably go to rockauto.com, order it and charge me twice as much. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It is so easy to navigate that even I can do it. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you want. And always, always reliably low prices. Family run business. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And then, most importantly of all, write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. 
so there have been, we're, we're not just talking about one city or however many. There, this is going on all over the country. And ABC News does not want you to think about the bullets that are flying, the buildings that are being lit on fire, the people being killed, the looters, the statues top. They want you to hear about the peaceful protesters, even when, even within the same sentence that they're reporting on violence. So this was a tweet from ABC News. Protesters in California set fire to a courthouse, damaged a police station, and assaulted officers after a peaceful demonstration intensified. <laughs> in the face of that, I, I lose my capacity to speak the English language. If that is how the language will be used today, I can't, I guess we don't speak the same language. For one, protesters don't set fire to courthouses. Right, a, pro- a protester is a kind of modal description. It depends what you're doing that qualifies you as a protester. So for instance, if you're protesting, then you're a protester. When I go out and I protest, I'm, I'm protesting. When, I'm, when I go to the beach and I lie down in a chair, I'm a sunbather, right? Those descriptions are based on what I'm doing at the time. When, it, when I'm setting a courthouse on fire, I cease to be a protester. But then, this is the kicker, when a peaceful demonstration intensifies, that, that means it, it becomes more of what it is. So if a peaceful demonstration intensifies, it's going to become more peaceful. If, if my guitar solo that I'm playing intensifies, then I'm going to be playing like more of a guitar solo. You know, it's going to be faster. It's going to be really hotter, right? If, if I'm uh, having some ice cream, some sweet vanilla ice cream, and the flavor intensifies, well, that means it's going to become more vanilla, more sweet, more of the ice cream. When a peaceful demonstration intensifies, it does not become violent. That's, that's what happens when it becomes its opposite when it reverses course. But something tells me, something tells me it was never a peaceful demonstration in the first place. This is just gaslighting. It's outright denial. And this is what you see from major politicians. Our friend Fleckus, Austin Fletcher, somehow managed to meet up with Democratic Rep. Jerry Nadler on the street, presents all of this evidence to him, bullets ringing out across the country, masked bandits attacking people, attacking cars, looting stores, pulling down statues. He says, what do you have to say about this? What do you have to say about Antifa? The organized group that has its own flag, that has its own logo. What do you have to say about that? Jerry, like so many other people, will deny it. We'll get to that in one second. First though, got to thank you. Thank you for heading on over and subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. Appreciate it. Be sure to hit that bell. Check out all of the exclusive content posted on that channel and go get a reader's pass. $1 for your first month, $3 a month after that. It's great. You get everything. Access to our mobile app, articles ad-free, exclusive editorials. You get so much. Just sign up for a buck and then $3 per month after that. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. I don't know who set up this meeting, but you got Fleckus, who's he's a pretty big guy, meeting up with Jerry Nadler. And Jerry Nadler's a more petite in the height department. And so it's just kind of a funny look to begin with. Fleckus presents to Congressman Nadler, you know, all, all the evidence about Antifa. What does Nadler have to say? What are they going to do about Antifa? He denies it exists. It is true. There's violence across the whole country. Do you disavow yeah, the violence from Antifa? that's happening in Portland right now? That's, that's, riots. That, that's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. Sir, there's, there's videos everywhere Jersey. online. There's fires and riots. There's th- they're throwing fireworks at uh, federal officers. DHS is there. Look online. It gets crazy, Mr. Nadler. It is crazy. I love Fleckus's attitude. He's just so, he's like, because Fleckus looks a little bit like a left winger. You know, he's got the beard and everything. And he's he got, he wears shorts a lot. So, left-wingers are more likely to talk to him. And then he comes up and he just spits facts at them and, and they run away as Jerry Nadler did there. Why does he deny this? As he denies this, you can't deny the, everyone's seen the photos and I'm, I'm certain that people on Capitol Hill have seen the photos and the videos all over the country. The Democrats are denying this because Antifa is the military wing of the Democratic Party. That's it. That's the only explanation. 
don't you think that you, if there were violence going on in the streets and this had no association with you and, and you did not benefit from that violence, that you would denounce it or try to stop it? I mean, you know, the left always says of the right, of the Republicans, that, you know, that we've, we've got these neo-Nazis and white supremacists who are really pervasive and violent, which is not true. There are like four of them in the entire country. But every time you hear one of these incidents of some neo-Nazis or something, Republicans denounce it immediately, try to put a stop to it. The left does not do that with Antifa, which is, which is much more pervasive and committing much more violence. Why? Because Antifa is the military wing of the Democratic Party. I was, I'm looking around. All, all of this, by the way, is because of the election. The BLM stuff, it's not because of George Floyd. It's because of the election. The COVID lockdowns, we got to stay locked down forever. It's not because of the scientific establishment, because of scientific papers. The scientific papers say to reopen the schools, right? Or, see, a scientific paper can't say that, but a scientific organization like the CDC reading scientific papers from Finland and Sweden and other places, says reopen the schools. doesn't matter. Nothing about the current COVID response has anything to do with COVID or any virus or anything like that. It has to do with the election. And I thought, is this just what election year is going to be like from now on? Are we so at each other's throats? Don't forget, we've had these tough, really tight elections at least for 20 years now, at least since Bush v. Gore, where they didn't want to give up the White House then. Is, is, are we just going to have violence in, in the streets and shooting in the streets now every, every four years? Because the left can't handle the fact that they're losing elections? Is that what's going to happen? I hope not. But it seems like we might be getting that. Because we're just getting excuses for violence. And the, the people who are pretending to be the aggrieved victims here very often are the ones inflicting much more harm on others. For instance... A complete degenerate by the name of Isaiah Jackson just photographed himself kneeling on a two-year-old child's neck. Isaiah Jackson is a 20-year-old black guy. The child is a white two-year-old wearing a diaper, being held down by another arm in the photo. We don't know who that arm belongs to. I think it belongs to a woman. And he's shirtless. He's throwing some kind of sign down there. Child is crying. And it says, BLM now, MF. You look at this, it's really a heinous photo. Fortunately, this guy has been arrested, though he was arrested for a probation violation. This, you know, this wonderful, peaceful demonstrator, peaceful protester, ex-con degenerate who should never, ever, ever be permitted out of prison. At least, at least never, ever. This guy posts a photo as he is violently attacking a two-year-old child. And in that photo, he pretends to be the victim. The photo, which is very difficult to look at, is emblematic of the whole damn culture. The violent aggressor pretends to be the victim. That's what's happening. That's what's happening right now. BLM now, mother effer, as a two-year-old child cries. Fortunately, in the case of this guy, he's been arrested, and I hope he, he never sees the light of day again. Hope, he, hope he's going to be in that prison cell. Maybe, I don't know, maybe ship him to Gitmo or something. I don't know. No civil punishment could be too extreme for this guy. But he's just one guy. How about all the other people who have shut down our, our city streets for the past several weeks, attacked Public property attacked people, ruined businesses, ruined lives, burned things down, burned down our country. What about that? Why are we inflicting this harm on ourselves? It's like a form of neurosis. It's like a, a form of self-mutilation that we're doing to ourselves as a country, and we're not willing to heal up the wounds. Now, finally, finally at least, there's a little bit of evidence that the civil authority is going to do something. DHS, Department of Homeland Security, is finally going to Portland and arresting some of these organized anarchists. And the left is throwing a hissy fit about that. And they're just lying, by the way. I, you know, I was debating this guy, this, some guy from the Young Turks, Hassan Piker. We were on a, a local Fox show here. And uh, he, he was giving, I, I don't think he was lying in that, I don't think he knew he was saying things that are not true. He was just repeating boilerplate leftist talking points that just, that are just demonstrably false. So he said, un, 
ununiformed federal agents are going into Portland. That's not true. All of the DHS officers going into Portland have uniforms on. They're, it doesn't say who they're with. Yes, it does. It says DHS right on their uniforms. Well, the, it doesn't say who the officers are. Yes, it does. It's got their officer ID numbers right above DHS on their uniforms. Well, they have no right to go into Portland. Actually, the whole reason DHS was founded, one of the main reasons it was founded at, at the very least, was to protect federal property and federal courthouses being attacked. Well, okay, but they don't have any right to leave the federal grounds and pursue criminals on the city streets. Actually, they do. It's very clear that they do. It's in the U.S. Code. They're doing, they are doing exactly what they were set up to do. But now, when you enforce the law in any way, that is considered lawless by the left. And when you engage in lawlessness, that is considered the height of justice under the law. Consider the New York Times. Consider the New York Times. BLM always has to be right. You know that. The leftist narrative always has to be right and good. They're the martyrs. No matter what, no matter what the evidence, no matter what photos we see with little crying two-year-old children, no matter what videos we see, they've got to be in the right. New York Times tweets this out. To understand what's wrong with our public education system, you have to look at what's arguably the most powerful force in our schools, white parents. Listen to the trailer for Nice White Parents, a new series from Serial, brought to you from the New York Times. Brought to you by the New York Times. Yeah, those white people, they're terrible, huh? They're ter- this was my response. I, t- I tweeted that when, when the Times sent this out. I said, yeah, white people are terrible. I hate those white people so much. They're so much worse than all the other people because all those other people are better than the white people because their skin is a different color. Hashtag anti-racism. Now, this is theoretically kind of humorous, right? Because it's very racist what the New York Times said. But not according to the New York Times' own logic. Actually, according to the New York Times' logic, this is anti-racist. Because according to the New York Times, according to the left broadly, all white people are racist. They say this openly. There are best-selling books about this right now. You will very likely have to go into some corporate training seminar about how all white people are racist. And more than that, all racists are white people. There's no such thing as a black racist. There can't be. Even when Nick Cannon says that white people are savages and less than human and don't have souls, that's not racist because you can't be racist against white people, according to the left. That's what they say. They teach this openly at universities and in corporate training sessions. So people look at this, they say, well, New York Times, that is, that's just anti-white. That isn't anti-racist. But for the left, it is by definition the same thing. Obviously, that is redefining words beyond anything even close to what they actually convey. But that's where we are. The the people decrying racism, the worst inflictors of racism themselves, the fake martyrs inflicting more harm than anybody else that we see out there. It's the, this is the same insane logic on the virus. Whatever the left says at any given time must be true, even if it's immediately contradicted. I was thinking when I was debating that, that Young Turks guy, he said, well, look, you know, the virus is spreading a lot and we, we need the masks. I said, right, but there's no evidence that the masks do anything. I said, no, no, there is. That's what the scientists say today. I said, right, but I've got a study. We read it on the show last week. I've got a study. It's not actually not just one study. It's 14 different studies, actual clinical studies, controlled studies on the CDC website that was posted, what, like eight weeks ago or something, seven, eight weeks ago that says the masks don't do anything. And he said, oh no, but that was then. That was, that was seven, eight weeks ago. Now that scientists say that it does something, even though there are no studies about that whatsoever. But you realize there's a problem there. If the scientists were wrong just two months ago. Why do we think they're right now? Or worse, as we saw with the masks, when, when all of the public officials said, don't wear masks, masks don't work. And then they turned around immediately and said, you have to wear a mask. We are told, oh, well, they were only saying that the first time to lie to us so they could keep the masks for the healthcare workers. Well, if they were lying to us then, why do we assume they're not lying to us now? Why do, why do we believe them now? There's this problem of credibility. And you saw this on opening day for the Washington Nationals. So they decide, the Nats decide to get Dr. Fauci, 
79 years old, actually looks pretty good for 79, to throw out the opening pitch. This is probably not going to go so great. Take a listen to the stadium. He's there, he's got the mask on, it goes basically in between home plate and the first, first base. You can't hear anything at the stadium because there's nobody in the stadium. <laughs> it's a little bit of a setup there because no one's allowed in. And Dr. Fauci, in this empty baseball stadium, 60 feet away from anybody, on the pitcher's mound, is wearing the stupid mask. He's not going to get coronavirus. He's very socially distanced. He's 10 times socially distanced. But he's got the mask on. And then later, when he thinks the cameras are off, he's sitting in the stands. It's just him and two friends of his. They're the only people in the stands. They get their private baseball game. Nobody else does. And Fauci takes his mask off. His mask is below his mouth and his nose. He's not eating anything. He's not drinking anything. He just doesn't want to wear the mask. Makes sense. I don't want to wear the mask either. And I don't. Very rarely do I wear the mask. There's no way that Dr. Fauci thought that he was at risk of getting coronavirus on the pitcher's mound, but was not at risk of getting coronavirus when he's six inches away from his two friends sitting in the stands. He just isn't worried about getting the coronavirus, and he's not actually of the belief that the masks are going to stop it. I don't think Dr. Fauci's opinion has changed one little bit. I think that if you want to know what somebody really believes, and you can either listen to what he says or look at what he does, look at what he does. That will tell you much more about what that person actually believes. I don't think anybody has changed their mind on the masks at all. I think it is a placebo for the society to feel better about everything. But what it's really doing, the effect of it, is not to calm everybody down. That's been the pitch for the masks. Wear the masks, then we can all go back to work and it'll calm everybody down. It won't. The point of the masks, the the, the actual effect of them, is to get everybody super nervous and to look around at all of their fellow citizens like they're walking cesspools of germs and to keep a lid on this economy. And we can't do that forever. You know, the, the federal government right now is talking about a new stimulus for the coronavirus lockdown. You remember, we have already spent $6 trillion on this to get us through four months. And it, by the way, that stimulus didn't really get us through those four months. $6 trillion. So that means if we extrapolate that over a year, that's going to be at least $18 trillion. And if we spend $18 trillion at the way GDP is currently trending, that's more money than we will produce all year, the whole country. If we took everybody's wealth, that they they create this year, we still wouldn't have enough money to pay out a year-long federal coronavirus subsidy. So uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin uh, met with GOP staffers. They're trying to arrange some new stimulus. They probably do need this, one, as a political tool just to get through the election, but also because people are really hurting and the government said you can't go to work, so you got to do something. If the government's going to shut you down, government's got to help you out. The issue with the last one, which was designed to keep the country locked down through November, that's why the Democrats pushed for it. The problem with the last one is it paid people more on unemployment than they would get otherwise from their jobs. Two thirds of people, according to a Cato Institute study, got more than 100% of their paycheck on the unemployment benefit. Two thirds. One third of people got twice as much as they were making on their unemployment benefit. So that doesn't make sense. The uh, federal government, Steve Mnuchin, is trying to lower that down to making about 70% of what you were making on your salary. That seems about right to me. You need to incentivize people to go back to work. You need to incentivize businesses to reopen. Unfortunately, there's this political battle going on where local governments don't want to reopen, and the federal government does. So the federal government is using what's at their disposal to do this. By the way, if the states want to keep you locked down, then they should make up the difference. If it's 70% and you want to make 100%, the states that are forcing you to lock down should be required to make up that difference. Now, fortunately, though, somebody is making some money in all of this, and that would be Nicholas Sandman. Do you remember him? He's the Covington School kid. He's the he was a Catholic school kid who showed up for the March for Life. He was standing at the National Mall by our monuments before the left was defacing all of our monuments. And he's standing there in a MAGA hat and some group of black supremacists called the Hebrew Israelites were screaming all sorts of terrible things at the kids. And then some Native American lunatic guy, old man, walks up and starts banging a drum in this kid's face. And the kid was very composed and he was smeared by the mainstream media as a racist, as as an instigator, as all these sorts of terrible things. So that kid did not take it lying down. He sued. 
He sued CNN for $250 million. He sued Washington Post for $250 million. He's got six more outstanding lawsuits. They already settled with CNN. CNN already paid this kid out. Washington Post just settled with him too. I hope this kid makes a mint. I hope this kid makes several hundred thousand dollars, several hundred million dollars rather. Six more to go. The, the whole problem with the Covington story was a confusion of who was the victim and who was the aggressor. In, the, in what actually happened, and fortunately other people had cameras around, so we got to see the real story. That doesn't always happen. The real story was that the kid was just standing there minding his own business. And the black supremacists and that Native American with the drum were the aggressors. That was the real story. And yet what we were told is the Native American man was the martyr and Nick Sandman was the oppressor. And they smeared this kid, ruined his life. In a culture such as ours, in a culture such as ours, you've got to be skeptical of any message of this sort that you get. I'll give you one, one last example. Netflix just put out this, it's not really a trailer, it's just a clip from a show. Uh, it was a woman who kind of took over, not a woman, actually a man who now identifies as a woman, is a, uh, a writer and uh, took over the Netflix Twitter account for a day and tweeted out this episode of the Babysitter's Club depicting, quote unquote, a young trans girl. So the, the Babysitter's Club has this, it's a scene where there's a young girl and this girl's friend or brother or something is in the hospital. And the person in the hospital is this little boy who's dressed up like a girl. And the doctors and the nurses come in and they misgender the little boy by calling him a boy. Have you been giving him fluids? If he's dehydrated, we'll need to place an IV. Have him change into this. I don't want the blue one. Um, well. I hear someone's not feeling well. Let's take a look at the little man. Can I please talk to you two outside? I know that you guys are busy, but as you would see, if you looked at her and not her chart, Bailey is not a boy. And by treating her like one, you are completely ignoring who she is. You're making her feel insignificant and humiliated. And that's not gonna help her feel good or safe or calm. So, from here on out, please recognize her for who she is. And if at all possible, could you find me a non-blue hospital gown? I apologize. I love the doctors so terrified at the end. I'm sorry, yes, I'll go get you a hospital gown because that's what doctors do. Doctors go and get hospital gowns, but the doctor probably should be terrified because now if you suggest that men are not really women and women cannot magically become men, then you're considered a bigot. You'll lose your job. You'll get doxxed. Your family will be attacked. So probably the, the doctor is right to be fearful. Consider the message that this is sending. The person who tweeted this out, a, a writer, a trans woman, I mean, you know, a man, and a former babysitter, and we need to talk about how wonderful this young epi uh, this episode is, and this depiction of a young trans person. What's really happening here is that one of the largest studios in Hollywood, in the mainstream media, most powerful culture machine ever devised, is pushing this message that we need to treat confused children, confused little boys, as if they are girls, and vice versa. The implication being, by the way, when a confused little boy says he's a girl, instead of saying, no, you're not, just like when I said I was Batman, my mother said, no, you're not Batman. Instead of trying to make the kid c come into closer accordance with reality, you indulge that delusion and then presumably you'll pump him full of hormones. You'll fundamentally change his sexual development. This is, this is being pushed already by the so-called transgenderist advocates. How perverted is that? How perverse is that, that you've now got an entire culture in, in which if you do not encourage little boys who are confused to become little girls, you're somehow the bad guy. That is some perverse stuff. That is some dark, dark stuff. The, the villains here are the people who are pretending to be the wonderful, good, compassionate, 
crowd. And the people, the doctor who's just trying to give the little boy the treatment for the little boy, who's actually trying to heal somebody, he's supposed to be the victim in all of it, or he's supposed to be the, the villain, rather, in all of this. A total inversion. It's not just happening in one area or another. It's happening in the whole culture. And if you approach anything, any of this, from the mainstream media to Hollywood to the scientific establishment, the public health establishment, to the professional race hustlers, to the, the elected politicians who are, who are whining because someone called them a mean word in a political argument. If you are taking any of that at face value, if you are giving any of that the benefit of the doubt, then you don't see just how upside down the culture has become. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.